and welcome to the Crossroads Music Podcast. I'm Alex, and here with me is my co-host, Eric. How's it going? Pretty good. And yourself, Alex? <sighs> Pretty good. Uh, so yeah, we're a music podcast. We, we get together once a week and basically talk shit about absolutely nothing, uh, but usually it's music related. So, you know, uh, Eric, what's your uh, drink for today? Oh, my drink for today. Well, thank you for asking, Alex. <laughs> my drink for today is from Old Yale Brewing. It's uh, a Sasquatch Stout. And it says, coffee, chocolate, and mystery. I don't know what the mystery is. The mystery is the Sasquatch flavor. Like, no one knows what you, Sasquatch tastes like. Exactly. Kill the wild <laughs> Sasquatch in the woods. <laughs> tastes like barbecue chicken. <laughs> I wonder what Sasquatch would actually taste like. That is a mystery. <laughs> uh, oh, how's it going, Taylor? Uh, so, yeah, we're here streaming on twitch.tv slash Chasing Dragonflies if you're listening to the uh, the audio recording on Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's get right into it. Um, we normally this. start this off with uh, what we've been listening to this past week. So, Eric... Uh, what have you been listening to? So I've been listening to the new Foo Fighters album. Okay. I don't know if you've heard it. I gotta. I want to talk about it a bit, but yeah, you go. You go ahead with with that one first. So, so I feel like their sound has matured as a band. Mm. Like if if that makes any sense. Um, but I actually didn't. I like. I dug the album. I kind of dug it. It was it was nice, easy listening to. What's your favorite track on the album? If you had uh, to pick one. If I had to pick one, it'd probably be Holding Poison. Holding Poison, okay. Interesting. So, like, <clears throat> I've also listened to the new record, uh, but not, like, extensively because I can't freaking remember what happened on the record. But overall, I actually liked it. And I think mm. my new favorite song of the week is, uh, what's it called? I need to look it up. Waiting on a War. That's a good one, too. When it picks up in tempo at the end and it just goes a bit like crazy, it's a pretty good song. I yeah. wish they threw in more double kick at the end because that would have <laughs> just made it absolutely ridiculous. But it's mm-hmm. a really good song off that off that record. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I dug Holding Poison, but I, I agree. Waiting on a War is a, is a great song. Uh, Making a Fire is good, too. Uh, their first first song on the album. Um, shame, shame. I think I've heard it too many times now and it was their single. So it's like, yeah, okay, not, it's, yeah I wasn't that, too crazy yeah. about that one. But the one thing I like about the Foo Fighters is just that like you're guaranteed heavy guitar. Like it's like heavy guitar and it's not like lead. It's just driven guitar. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. Dave Grohl's always been good about like every single Foo Fighters release has been good about being very, uh, guitar heavy just driving guitar mm-hmm. and it's never been like terrible i've never like sat and listened to a foo fighter song and just was like this is complete trash it's always been anywhere from like mediocre to like above average for me mm. but <laughs> but yeah the, the, like if you listen to this album like i know a lot of people get pissed off and and you know like i don't mind when a band matures with the music that they play like, I have no problem with that. But, like, you know, you get these people that are just like, they don't sound like the same. <laughs> it's like, well, I feel like, oh, yeah, okay, to an extent. But it's like, you know, like, they're not, like, changing their sound drastically. It's not like they're deciding, you know what, we're going to play polka music today. Yeah. This album's going to be polka-driven, right? Yeah. It still sounds like the Foo Fighters, like, at the it end does. of the day. It's not, like, a super drastic... Uh, departure from what their sound is exactly yeah um i listened to this new band i came across called the weather station the weather station that yeah, sounds absolutely super familiar. absolutely awful <laughs> <laughs> it's just an awful i was listening to it and i forgot i was listening to it while driving around and i was like what the hell am i listening to and i'm like oh it's this uh, so i just deleted it off the what's off my... what's the genre of this band I think you'll know when you and I kind of got I was like oh it's gonna be one of these bands and it is one of these bands it's indie rock indie rock this sounds really familiar they classify themselves as indie rock and I need to look it up now because like it's it's a weird 
Weird band. The weather, the the weather station or weather station. The weather station is a Canadian folk music band fronted by Tamara Linderman. Okay, so it's not indie rock then. <laughs> it's not indie rock. Folk music band. It's folk okay, music. Okay, so it's folk. That makes more sense then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would yeah. say it's like indie hippie folk. Okay. If that makes sense, like. Yeah. Yeah, they sound super familiar. I'm pretty sure they're from Toronto or she's from Toronto. I like guess. if if Bjork decided to play with the Great Big C. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's what I would I would what, say. What? Mm-hmm. What kind of combination is that? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> okay, anyways, moving on. Um, the other album I checked out, and, and I never heard of these guys before, but I started listening to them, but they released a new album. The band is called The Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. <laughs> oh my god, another one of these crazy-ass bands. Okay, explain. It's, it's So it's an alternative rock. It's it's like one of those jam bands that are, that are <laughs> like all these skilled, no-name musicians. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> is it all instrumental, or is it like... Some of the songs too. are instrumental, some of them aren't. Some of them actually have lyrics to them, but it's not like crazy, like... I, I feel like if you took like all the great like blues musicians like you got like Derek trucks like all the modern day people yep. and put them in in a room together like this is what you would kind of get uh, right like like it's it's like it, it's a mixture of like almost like stoner rock with with a bit of like jam rock and jam blues jam jazz okay and it, it's actually not that bad like i was i thought that oh this is gonna be an interesting like <laughs> thing but but they've got some good songs i and the album is called Shiga the Sunlight Mount. <laughs> <laughs> Very so. typical of a jam band, just like absolute ridiculousness. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then other than that, um, I before the podcast, actually, I listened to the Kings of Leon dropped a new single for their new album um, called Echoing. It's a typical Kings of Leon sounding song. So uh, check it out. <laughs> I'm not gonna check about, out. I'm, I'm, not you, gonna, I'm not gonna check out Kings of Leon. There's no way. Uh oh, Ben, how's it going? Welcome. Um, so yeah, um mostly hip hop for this week. Uh I went back and revisited Stankonia by Outcast, which is just an absolute phenomenal record by Outcast. I love that record. Uh, so I was listening to that and then there is a, I don't know if you would consider him to be indie at this point. Cause he's pretty, not completely mainstream at this point, but he is like, he's on a, I think he's on a major label at this point, but, uh, Travis Thompson, who's, um, from Washington state, he, he started off like as an indie, uh, rapper. Um, but man, he's just got like such a good voice for, for rapping and uh, if you pick up his like debut album or mixtape, however you want to classify it, that thing is just so good. From front to back, it's just it's not just the rhymes that he's spitting, but it's like also like his beats and his backing track. Everything just like flows really well together. Uh, so uh, Travis Thompson is sort of what I've been listening to uh, this past week, along with Outcast. Right um, other than that, a few songs here and there. Um, I went back and revisited uh, what is it? Ever, Evermore by Taylor Swift. Still don't think it's a great record, but um, but the bonus track, which is called, let's see, uh, Right Where You Left Me, that is a really good track. It, it's one of the, the bonus tracks that was included on the deluxe, uh, deluxe version of the album. That's a really good song, uh, so you definitely need to check that out. And... Uh, sort of in like Taylor Swift news, uh, which there are two items today, but the first one that's sort of relevant to this, uh, she's getting sued by a theme park called Evermore. And they're saying that their, <laughs> their search rankings Why? have gone down on Google because uh, her album has bumped them off of the uh, algorithm. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so dumb. <laughs> like I, 
when I saw that, I was just like, are you kidding me? It's not even like music really. It's not even in the same realm. Like it's not a movie. Yeah. It's not nothing. It's a theme park. Yeah. So that means that all these idiots who own these shitty amusement parks and shitty stores are going to be like, you can't use that. Yeah. Like if you name right? a store, like, and you own that name, like no musician can ever use that like phrase in a song title or an album title. Mm-hmm. That to me is like insane. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but yeah, she's getting sued for that, which is like, <laughs> seems like the most idiotic thing in the world. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and then, oh, one track I've been listening to a lot. Uh, do you remember, is sort of recent, on HBO, uh, they made that Watchmen series, which mm-hmm. is based on the comic books. Uh, so Trent and Atticus Ross, they did the soundtrack for that for that TV series. Uh, but on the third disc, I think it is, the last track, they do a Life on, Life on Mars uh, cover by David Bowie. And it's just done so well. It's uh, completely, it's what you would expect Trent and Atticus to do. It's like a piano mm. rendition of Life on Mars, but then a bunch of electronic stuff in the background, like a bunch of ambient like white noise in the background. Oh, mm. It's such a good version of Life on Mars. I'll have to check that out. That's so a good, good song. Yeah, it's such like yeah, the song original song is so good, but then Trent and Attic has just put their spin on it and it's like it's wonderful. Nice. Uh so been listening to that one and then Waiting on a War by Foo Fighters. Uh that's mm-hmm. that's sort of been on repeat for for me. Um Oh, actually I do have a question. Did you ever end up watching Soul that uh Disney Pixar yes. movie? Yes. What was your yes. what was your verdict on that? Because I haven't watched it yet. So, I thought it was gonna be a lot more like jazzy music, okay, kind of thing. But like, and I get like Disney has to tell their story, but but I I was a bit more I was disappointed of the lack of actual jazz music in the actual movie. Oh, okay. So I thought it was pretty decent. Like it was good. Like it was funny. Some of the parts were hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't want to ruin it, but, um, yeah, no spoilers, but it's pretty much, there's like a part where they're showing like these souls, right. And they're going to, they're going pretty much to die. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's almost like the people who move on to the afterlife are on this conveyor belt going towards the light. Yeah. And then and then one of the characters is like, what are you guys doing? Like, run, like run away from the light. And they're just like, no, nah, I'm OK. I'm tired. I'm lazy. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a funny like there's always that adult like kind of humor in it, which uh, OK, which is neat. Like it was decent, but I was disappointed with the lack of jazz music in it. Oh, uh, OK. So do you know who did the soundtrack or multiple people who did the soundtrack? I have no idea. No. Can you get, okay, forget the jazz part of it. Think about like the rest of, because so, my understanding of it is split sort of in two. There's the jazz portion of the movie and then there's this sort of more new age electronic sort of part to it from what I'm I getting. Did, maybe I did read, you know, now that I think when we were in the credits, I remember telling Julie, I'm like, holy shit, the these people <laughs> made the music for it. Was it Trent Reznor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's Trent Reznor right. and Atticus Ross. They did half of it, and John Baptiste did the jazz part. Wow. When I saw that, I was like, "What? Why did you get Trent and Atticus to do a jazz score?" But then I saw like why, like from my understanding, because I haven't seen this yet. But John Baptiste, who's, um, I guess, currently his most famous thing is he is the uh, musician for um, Stephen Colbert on his uh, mm-hmm. Late Show. He's the the pianist and singer on on that show uh so he did the jazz part of the soundtrack and then uh trent and atticus did the other more electronic not jazzy parts Hmm. interesting yeah the only reason i knew that is because um nine inch nails just put up the uh soundtrack for sale on their website so i was like Mm. why are you promoting pixar (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so i feel like i'm gonna watch that probably this week uh, just to see see that. But do you recommend watching it? I would recommend it. I, I I'd say it's a good movie. I was I was wanting more jazz though, okay. because when I was watching the beginning and it kind of opens up, you're like, oh, this is gonna be sweet, <laughs> right? But yeah. I was 
I was a bit disappointed with that, but it was still a good movie. I would I would recommend watching it. Okay. Okay. For sure. Yeah, I will I will watch it and then I'll get back to you on on yeah. my review of it. I think you'll be like like I'm I'm glad I was able to tell you this because I went in the expectation this is going to be like that Ray Charles movie where it was just uh, like yeah, just yeah. jazz, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's just like this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but but it was not what I expected it to be. <laughs> but it was still good though. So All right. Um, I guess other notable things that happened over this week. Um, Eric, did you watch the Super Bowl at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> wow. You d- wait. Do you watch football in general? So as American, a part of this American football, football, I was a part of this football pool at work, like one right. of those like uh, yeah leagues or whatever. And I had no idea who I was drafting. <laughs> I, I lost <laughs> immediately, but I I know that uh, I ruined. The game for one of the guys at work I, I rolled up beside him and i was like so the bucks won eh and he's like god damn it i because <laughs> he like I taped, it. taped, he taped yeah. it he was waiting and i just like ruined it right then like in a second rude completely rude <laughs> i had no idea that he wanted that he had it taped though so um did you watch <laughs> the weekend halftime performance i, I did not Okay. I thought I thought Imagine Dragons were playing, or was that just us talking about that last podcast? <laughs> no, I I feel like they did play it at some point. I could be wrong about that, but uh, no, <laughs> definitely not Imagine Dragons. <laughs> um, so I didn't watch the game, nor did I watch the halftime show live. But before we we started streaming, I watched the whole performance uh, just on YouTube, and it's horrible. <laughs> It's horrible. It's like, it's not like, I don't know what happens, but there were a lot of artistic uh, choices made that didn't make sense from a visual <laughs> perspective. Like from a TV watching perspective, it, it just didn't make sense at all. Like at one point in the middle, he enters a room full of mirrors and there's just... He's like, I think he's holding the camera or it's made to look like he's holding a camera, sort of like a a selfie angle, Mm -hmm. but the cameraman who's holding it or his hand that's holding it, he's constantly like doing this to it. And it's so, for people who are on the audio version, he's basically zooming in and zooming out on his face for like a good minute continuously (laughs) like it's not like he did it like for five seconds and then panned to a different shot or whatever it was like a full minute of him zooming in and out of his face while he's spinning around in this room and it's the most nauseating experience so he probably enabled like 30 (laughs) percent seizures around the united states of america yeah yeah it's not good and uh yeah taylor's like there's memes on instagram summing up the show (laughs) yeah there's a bunch of memes on the internet but like Aside from like the actual uh, camera work and all the visual presentation of it, like the songs are just, it's not there. It's not, mm-hmm. none of his songs are good enough to be uh, stadium like rockers. Mm-hmm. It's just not good enough to entertain a stadium. So, so was this an actual like live yeah. show? Like were they actually doing this right on the spot or was yeah. this film? Oh, it was. Okay. It was a live thing uh, in mm. the stadium that they were performing in or mm. playing the game in. Um, so he, he started off, they made a stage um, on like one wing of the stadium above the crowd. Uh, and then eventually they made their way down into the center of the field towards the end. Mm. I thought the end was okay. He had like um, a dancing troupe. Uh, with him, it, it sort of looked like a, I guess, a Michael Jackson thriller type of thing, uh, mm. with just like synchronized dancers in 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 rows, and they had like bandages all over their head, which is sort of his like theme for his album. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it, a bad album. <laughs> they just need to put a bandaid on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it it just wasn't a good performance. Like, I don't know. He's just. There's just no energy there when he's performing his songs. And, and that partially that is the the way the songs are, are written. They're more for like club uh, audiences mm. rather than like football stadiums. Uh, but also his performance is just like 
pretty lackluster for me. Yeah, that's, that's it is kind of odd that they chose the weekend. Like, it's not like like if you if you think of all the other people that played, like you know, like J Lo and Shakira did it last year, and I thought like as much as I'm gonna hate on like pop artists and whatever, like that's that's entertaining and there's mainstream mm-hmm. appeal there. Because uh, they're well, yeah, because they're they're used to doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those those like, artists well. are designed for entertaining. Mm-hmm. Whereas exactly. the weekend is like, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's just odd. Yeah, but but granted, like I always I always have a problem with these live kind of like setups. Like even at the Grammys or any award show, most of the time the band sounds awful. Like even if you have a good band, and I just I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's just the disconnect between being there and coming through the TV, or is it just the sound guy? They just get some ridiculously bad sound guy, right? I like I've always had a problem. Like I, like I I remember watching, um, I think it was oh, who was it? It was a Zach Brown band on the Country Music Awards and. And they, they, they're a top-notch band. Like, they're really good live. They sound so perfect, right? Even their harmonies and vocals. And it just sounded awful. Like, it was like, God, like, it can't be the band. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just, they can't just all have a bad day, like, on live television at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but, live, live performances on TV, I feel like, are, are a challenge. But, um, yeah, after watching that, I had to, like, take cold shower and then i I promptly watch prince's uh (laughs) i promptly watch prince's uh halftime show uh super bowl show uh performance and well there's another guy right like that's the best this is the best performance ever that that, his halftime show is just so good i think of out of all the ones i've seen too I, i would say prince is definitely up there yeah it's just like and even in prince's performance the band is not spot on. Prince's mm-hmm. gu- uh, guitar at the end cuts out and he misses the last like uh, guitar chord. But it doesn't matter because like he just had so much energy and he was the songs that he was performing were just like top notch. And I think this is a problem now because like a lot of the artists who perform at the halftime show, they treat it as a commercial now. They treat it as an advertising moment for themselves. So yeah. they're they're stuck with their own catalog. They're only going to play their own songs. But Prince, on his performance, he played Proud Mary. He played mm-hmm. Best of You by the Foo Fighters. Uh, he played All Along the Watchtower by Dylan or <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, uh, depending on which version you want to go with. Like He was just playing songs that were entertaining, not just his own songs that he wanted to promote. So like... And that's one thing I loved about Prince was that he just did what he fucking wanted to do. Yeah. Oh my God, right. Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Such a like, Prince is so good. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> the, the weekend halftime show for me, like, if you haven't seen it, I I cannot recommend it to you. Like, it's not that's even good. worth watching. That's good because I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth. It's not worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. A few other things, uh, notable things that happened, uh, in the news, uh, over this past week, uh, the new, uh, FX documentary film, whatever you want to call it, framing Britney Spears came out sort of, uh, causing big waves, uh, along the internet with the whole free Britney movement and, and all that. Uh, we've discussed this topic in a little bit before about how she doesn't have control over her own career and all that stuff. Uh, oh my God, people are already saying free Britney in chat. <laughs> um, but basically this documentary, which is not, um, it has no like, Britney Spears doesn't have any like input in this or any, it's like complete third party. Uh, but it basically examines like her whole career um, from beginning all the way to today where she's in a legal battle to um, to get ownership over her own uh, choices for her career. Mm. Um it's I don't know. It's a little bit of a weird documentary for me. Like a lot of people online are just sort of. For me, it seems like they're all jumping on a bandwagon and just going like, "Oh, this is so bad. This is like, this is unjust, and this is like really messed up how how lawyers and and record execs have like 
fucked her over and all that stuff and how the paparazzi don't leave her alone. But for me, it's just like, but that's sort of what you signed up for. Like to a certain extent, you've mm -hmm. sort of signed up to become famous and get the attention. And if you, you're putting your spot, if you're putting yourself in a spot to actually like be hounded by paparazzi, I feel like that's sort of your fault because you're hanging out. <laughs> you're hanging out in LA or New York where that's where they are. Like come out to like Toronto. Mm -hmm. There's no paparazzi here. No one's going to chase you down with a camera. You'll get like <laughs> weird fans once in a while, but you're not going to get like people. Get bumped into. Oh, sorry about that. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> like no one's going to like crash their car into you trying to get a picture of you like yeah it's sort of crazy like to a certain extent i feel like that's the life you sort of sign up for uh like some of the stuff that's happened to her in her career and in her life are fucked up but i feel like the documentary is a bit one-sided for me hmm interesting is it one of those like live action doc like documentaries like you'd see on like netflix or something or is it like an actual like they've got actors and it's it's almost like a script has oh, been written um it's like a crime drama <laughs> a crime if you, drama if you know what i mean it's like got live footage and there's like people they interview who are doing voiceover over it Oh, with the with the black silhouette and the like, so, oh, yeah, no, there's no black so silhouettes. I, I like... was Britney Spears' barista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no black silhouettes, but so, sort of something like that. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here's a counter argument. She was a child star, never had a choice, doesn't know any other life. At a certain point, I mean, you I, have. I can yeah, I can understand to a point where she might be coming from because yes you, you are right like she was just young and naive and had no idea and they're probably like ah, she has no idea what we're gonna do to her <laughs> right so she signed the contract without like but you know again you could say in the other argument that onus is on you you should read the contract yeah should read the contract but also at a certain point right like you're 25 30 you've sold however million records in the world at a certain point, if it's just too much pressure, just step away. You have the money. Yeah. You have, like, you're set for life. At a certain point, like, you could just step away from that stuff, right? You might take a financial hit, but I'm pretty sure you're, yeah. you're fine to just walk away. I don't know. Anyways, I thought the documentary was a bit one-sided. Um, definitely, they made some really good points in it, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's worth a watch if you're interested. One, if you're interested in sort of like the whole Britney Spears saga and you just like the drama of it. And two, yeah, like the documentary. Dramas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And two, the documentary makes the viewer, which is you, the person watching, feel really bad about being <laughs> like basically a fan of Britney Spears because they sort of point the finger at the audience and say it's because of your obsession with this pop star that she became fucked oh. up. And this on. is this is your fault. You gave her so wow. much attention that she mentally broke down. <laughs> yeah, because that's... Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you want to feel bad about yourself... She, watch they this. just loved me so much and I just yeah. couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> like, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. That's... Get out of here. <laughs> what, so now we're not allowed to like things? Yeah. No, not, no, so you're allowed to like things, but in moderation. <laughs> I don't want to go overboard. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Eric. I'm, I've been one year clean of listening to Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, that's sort of been like the, the big thing on the internet right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, let's see. What else is there? Oh. Uh, breaking news. This only was announced basically like 12 hours ago. Uh, Taylor Swift's uh, second album, Fearless, is going to be re-released uh, in the next few months. Uh, she has finished re-recording that album. And uh, Love Story, uh, the re-recorded version will actually be out tonight uh, as of this mm -hmm. broadcast. So that would be, what's, what is today? Today is February February 11th. So it'll yes. be out February 12th, midnight. 
Nice. So just actually in like two hours, it will it will actually be out uh, for people to actually listen. I'm interested to listen to to how how it sounds like different. Yeah, because like regardless mm. of like how how close you're gonna try to get to the original sound, your voice changes over time. So like I'm, yeah, I'm interested I, to hear how this is gonna sound. Even to get every single note kind of on spot. Yeah. Right. It, what it would be very interesting is because I predominantly listen to all my music on Apple Music. Like, are they going to have the original Love Story album and then they're going to just have uh, a remastered or, or is it going to be re-recorded? Like, like, well, how is it going to be labeled? Is, is the album cover going to be different? The album cover is different. Um, and the album title title itself is also different. It's actually fearless dash fearless dash Taylor's version. Interest, interesting. Because yeah. okay, pretty... so so pretty much I'm gonna get drunk tonight. Wait till midnight for the album to come out. <laughs> no, no, it's just the one song. It's just love story. <laughs> oh, it's just like, the song. Yeah, oh. love story for the, like the lead single, and then I think the album will be released April 9th or somewhere there. Um, well i'll save that for the night then <laughs> yeah like i don't think she has the legal right to take down the original recording which is owned by scooter braun or... scooter what a, what a weird name <laughs> why would you name your kid scooter yeah. hi my name is scooter <laughs> i would like to record your songs oh my i don't God. know if he sounds like that but <laughs> he probably does he's such an asshole <laughs> he's just an asshole uh, so yeah, that's that's sort of the the news there. And then uh, I guess the last piece of news that happened just it was literally just announced a few hours ago. Uh, sort of sad news, but uh, Chick Corea has passed away at the age of seventy nine. Uh, so, um, oops, there we go. I just realized I didn't uh, change that. But uh, yeah, Chick Corea is um, like master jazz musician, uh, pianist. Uh, If (laughs) This is sort of a controversial topic, but uh, depending on your stance on jazz fusion or fusion jazz, however you want to label it, uh, Chick Corea is essentially uh, one of the forefathers of fusion jazz. Uh, (laughs) He did play with Miles Davis in a traditionally uh, jazz band, uh, but he was also there when Miles Davis sort of shifted over and in- invented this like jazz fusion stuff. Uh, mm. So he was the piano player there, and uh, he's like he's just so instrumental in that sort of movement. And over his career, he's played with like all the jazz giants, like Stanley Clark, uh, Herbie Hancock. Um, but yeah, he passed away uh, two days ago, uh, but it was only announced a few hours ago, and he passed away at the age of seventy nine. Absolute titan of a, a piano player. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, like uh, I, I liked, I liked his stuff, but then there was some stuff that I didn't, I didn't like. I kind of like on sometimes, the fence, but but he's yeah. insane though. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, sometimes the jazz fusion stuff is just like this is too much. This is just too much. Like I don't know what's going on. It's just craziness. <laughs> it's like getting like a toddler here play the piano <laughs> you know what i mean yeah there's just like too many influences going in and out and like it's really jazz just taken to the extreme that's what yeah. it is and it takes a long time to figure out like how to digest it all um and it's mm-hmm. really music really for hardcore musicians <laughs> like really yeah. hardcore musicians <laughs> um but yeah chikura he passed away from um it wasn't exactly announced, but he essentially passed away from cancer. He had some sort of uh, rare form of cancer that was, I think it was only detected like a few months ago or something like that. So it was pretty mm. sudden, uh, but you know, a big loss in, in the music community, especially in the jazz community. Hmm. Uh, okay. So that's that. Uh, let us move on. We are already, wow, we're already 40 minutes in and we haven't <laughs> gone to any like specific, uh, of our segments, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to go into today in history, uh, relatively short for today. Uh, so today is February, uh, February 11th, 11th. Hmm? 11th yeah. Yeah. 11th. Uh, so today in the past 1962, Cheryl Crow is born in Kennett, Missouri. 
Uh, she works as an elementary school music teacher before landing a gig as a backup vocalist on Michael Jackson's Bad World Tour in 1987. That's how she started, eh? I, I didn't know how she started. I knew she was a music teacher, but I didn't know that. That's crazy. Claim to fame is the backup singer for Michael Jackson. That's pretty <laughs> sick gig. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's a really What's your sick. first gig as a musician? Oh, I was just a backup singer for Michael Jackson. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. That's like huge. Uh, one year later, 1963, at Abbey Road Studios, the Beatles record 10 songs in one day, uh, nine of which are included on their very first UK album. I can't imagine recording 10 songs in one day. That'd be a nightmare. That would be a long day. <laughs> nightmare. Like, and, and you know just as well as I do, like how long it takes to even record one, one part of a song yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's just insane. Oh. Uh, here's a bit of a funny one. One year later, uh, in keeping with sort of the Beatles theme, uh, the Beatles play their very first U.S. concert at the Washington Coliseum in Washington, D.C., after the show, the Beatles attend an after-party at the British Embassy in Washington, where a woman cuts off a lock of Ringo's hair without asking him. <laughs> what is he, like Gimli from Rick and Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Feelers oh, are so God. weird. Why would you collect someone's hair? You know what? People are, they are weird. They and are Ringo. weird. Why Ringo? Yeah, he's the worst one out of all four. <laughs> of all of them, Ringo's the last one you should be collecting hair for. <laughs> Maybe take his drumsticks away. <laughs> that should be controversial, I feel. <laughs> take his sticks away. Uh, I feel like we it's not controversial anymore to make fun of Ringo because we do it so often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just common practice. <laughs> Sorry, Ringo, uh, if you're actually listening to this. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. When Ringo dies and we have to start talking about it on, on this podcast. It's, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, so today Ringo has passed. So next segment. On, on the, <laughs> it's going to be so disrespectful. I know. We're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm canceled. yeah, that'll be the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. 1977, Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park is born in Agora Hills, Los Angeles. Mike Shinoda is a freaking, he's a beast when it comes to production. He's just like so good at it. I like people have their thoughts on Lincoln Park, but as a producer, I think he's just like top notch. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 1981, Kelly Rowland, a Destiny's Child, is born in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and then finally, the last piece of news uh, that happened uh, this this day, uh, 2012, Whitney Houston is found dead in a bathtub of her suite at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in L.A., 2012. It's pretty big news. Yeah, like, that was so long ago, but it just feels like, I don't know, Whitney Houston like is... five years ago. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel it? that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember like that news popping up as like, holy shit, that's pretty big. <laughs> she was such a powerful vocalist. Yeah. Like I feel like she was probably the top female vocalist. Top like in terms of what she could do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can beat Whitney Houston. I, I can't. It's hard to like think of a singer that could top that. And I remember someone saying to me once, he goes, no, like, I think Mariah Carey has the best range. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, she sounds good, but, but like, Whitney Houston had the soul behind her voice, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's what really, like, it was not only impressive to listen to, but you're like, holy crap, like, yeah, you know, but. Whitney is the goat, yeah. Yeah, and I, and, of course, The Bodyguard, that movie (laughs) with Kevin Costner, come on. (laughs) I've never watched that movie. Is that movie is that movie worth watching? You know what? Okay, so Kevin Costner is a great actor. I've been watching this. Uh, well, I, I've only watched the first episode, but Yellowstone, really good. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but um, he has movies that are absolutely awful, like Water <laughs> Water Boy or no, what is it? Water World. Water World. Water ruined his career. It is, yeah, it is the worst movie in the world. <laughs> Like, I feel like any kid doing, like, like when you guys were in, in that computer tech class where you guys would make films, 
like those movies were better than Waterworld. <laughs> right? Apparently but, they sunk like huge amounts of money into that movie and it just bombed. Oh, it was, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Like if someone gave, was like, hey, do you want to watch Waterworld? I would take the disc and break it. And <laughs> but anyways, so this movie was actually not that bad. So I okay. guess Whitney Houston plays like this this upcoming artist or whatever, pretty much herself. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, this like stalker was trying to murder her. So she hires this bodyguard, which is Kevin Costner. I remember he had it like a katana for some reason. I don't know where he got the katana. <laughs> I don't remember that part, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it was it? good. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe one day I'll watch it. I don't know. I just, the song obviously is just the most icon, iconic song in the world. So like, Oh, yeah. Maybe one day I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So that is uh, Today in History. So moving along, uh, I guess that leads us to our uh, album review for this yes. week. Uh, so this past week, we have been listening to uh, The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Such a freaking good album. This album was so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, I'll, I'll give the this quick synopsis yeah. and then we can get into it. So, The Number of the Beast is the third studio album by New Wave of British heavy metal band Iron Maiden, released on March 22nd, 1982. It is the first album to feature vocalist Bruce Dickinson and their last with drum, drummer Clive Burr. It's the band's first album to top the UK album chart and reach the top 40 on the US Billboard 200. Due to its religious reference in the artwork and title track, the album was controversial on release, particularly in the U.S. Uh, Social conservatives in the U.S. protested the band and accused them of being Satanists. Uh, (laughs) Regardless of all the protests, The Number of the Beast was a commercial success, uh, and by estimates, by 2010, the album has sold 14 million copies worldwide. Uh, Fun fact, during the recording of the album, there are several stories of unexplained phenomenon occurring uh, during the recording sessions, such as lights turning on and off by themselves and recording gear mysteriously breaking down. And probably the most famous story uh, from the recording, uh, the producer, Martin Birch, also was involved uh, in a car accident with a minibus transporting a group of group of nuns and the repair bill came out to 666 british pounds wow that's (laughs) (laughs) i did not know that that's amazing yeah he crashed album way better yeah he crashes the into a minibus full of nuns and then that's that's what the bill came out to (laughs) oh my god that would be creepy yeah, that's that's when I would quit. If I was the producer, I'd be like, no. Nope. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to become a priest. <laughs> you guys need to find a new producer. <laughs> uh, all right, Eric. So tell me, is this your, how did you listen to it? Your first listen through, your thoughts, etc. So it's funny about Iron Maiden. I actually did not know they existed until I met you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I would—I never listened to an album straight, but I did listen to like a bunch of their songs. Like this is when like Napster was out, people, <laughs> or like when you could just download songs. <laughs> so, um, listening to this album, there's a couple things. This first of all, this album is amazing. <laughs> I love this album. It's it's unreal. Um, Twenty two uh, Acacia Avenue. I've never heard before. Oh, that's and a it was. It was it was awesome. I was like, ah, oh, this song is rocking, right? Obviously, Number of the Beast is insane. Uh, Run to the Hills is great too. And uh, the last song on this album is probably my favorite. Hallowed be thy name, so good. Hallowed be thy name, and I and I completely forgot that song existed until I heard the opening. I was like, oh my god, this song! I forgot this song existed. <laughs> Oh my god, it was it was insane. Um, yeah. Like Bruce Dickens has an unreal voice. Like I feel he like he has such a like a whale, just like mm-hmm. an rock opera voice. It just like soars over everything. It's so good. 
and the band is so tight too that's that's what i like love about these guys like oh man like even even just like the uh the tempo changes in the songs like for hallowed be thy name is it's almost kind of like a fear of the dark right Mm, yeah yeah so the dark has a really good change in there too uh oh Matthew, how's it going thanks for for hanging out we're just talking Mm -hmm. about the number of the beast by iron maiden here um so eric number of the beast by iron maiden is sort of one of those uh iconic metal records just like in general regardless of like what subgenre of metal you you want to classify it as just overall in terms of metal this is like one of those iconic records um but i do want to ask you uh in terms of track listing which version of this album did you listen to did, did you listen to the one that has eight tracks on it or nine tracks on it? Or maybe the one that has, the one that has eight, the one that has eight. Okay. So just a little backstory to this. Um, when I very first uh, listened to this album, there's a nine track version of this record because they reissued this hmm. uh, when it went to CD. So originally this was, th- this thing was on vinyl uh, when it went to CD they were able to add in an extra track on this album because the vinyl, the A side and B side, they actually had to take out one of the tracks that they originally wrote for the record because <laughs> it wouldn't fit. Mm. So uh, Total Eclipse is actually the song that they removed. And famously, Steve Harris, the uh, principal songwriter and bassist for Iron Maiden, uh, years later would regret actually taking Total Eclipse out because their choice... Uh, in terms of which one to remove and which one to keep, was between Gangland, which is the second last track, and mm. Total Eclipse. Uh, and Steve Harris like completely regrets leaving Gangland and and totally uh, Total Eclipse out. So, have you listened to the song called Total Eclipse? I don't think I have. No. Okay. Because it's not on Spotify. I checked uh, just before we started streaming. I was like, oh, this song's not even here. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to the whole album. And this is my one complaint about the record is the song Gangland for me. And this is like before I even knew that Steve Harris didn't even like the song that much. Like I always thought the weakest song on this record was Gangland. And I was, I always skip it. I always skip that track. And I'm like, this, this could have been the perfect record if this song wasn't here. Uh, (laughs) So I did get a sense of actually children of the damned. I did get like a very Van Halen vibe. Oh, interesting. I never thought of Children of the Damned as, as Van Halen-y. Like, like I was listening to it, and I'm like, this sounds like a Van Halen song. Like, it had that, like, just enough reverb to kind of just make it, like, that 80s oh, kind of yes, yeah. hit. So. so, Children of the Damned, actually, is, uh, this is not, like, this is not, like, completely true, but Bruce Dickinson has alluded that it's sort of a ripoff of Children of the Sea by Black Sabbath. And this is a song that came out during the Dio era of Black Sabbath. Uh, so oh, if you compare the Dio. if you can't compare the two songs, like thematically, it's a it's a bit similar. Uh, so mm. it's interesting that you say it's sort of Van Halen-y, because now I have to go back and listen to it and see if I if I agree with that. Yeah. I can't imagine that one. Um, I guess another fun fact about this record, Hallowed Be Thy Name, which is the last track, uh, which uh, I think we both love uh, that song. Uh, Actually, two fun facts about this song. One, Hallowed Be Thy Name is the very first song I ever learned on bass, like front to back. It's the very first song I've ever learned. Um, And second fun fact about this song is that it's uh, partially plagiarized and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> is not a complete Iron Maiden uh, original. Uh, apparently, Steve Harris uh, lifted the lyrics from a different band, <laughs> and he did it. He did it word for word. Like I think it's the verses are completely lifted word for word from another song from another band. No that they way. Joined. Yeah. So like uh, melodically and like structurally, it's like completely different, but the lyrics are exactly the same. So now uh, for any like new uh, pressings of this record, the the writing credits always show that other band in it also. 
<laughs> Apparently they had to pay like two million pounds or something, like something insane. Well, they have it... a jet, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iron Maiden has a jet, so they could probably afford it. But yeah, that's sort of one stain on this record. Hallowed Be Thy Name is partially plagiarized. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, the other thing I'll say about Iron Maiden, and in particular this album, like just the songwriting in general, like other than I guess you could say Hallowed Be Thy Name, because if they didn't write it, then... <laughs> But like Run to the Hills, right? That's that's a good that's a great song. And it's kind of neat because it does paint a picture of when yes. like, you know, you know, the Europeans came to North America, right? And it's that's that whole like uh the war between like the Indian American war or whatever you could whatever you want to call it. But you know, it, 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 what I like about them is, is a lot of their songs do have that historical element to them. I'm a huge history buff, so I do like that. So, mm-hmm. um, even the president yeah. has has a little bit of that with uh, Winston Churchill mm-hmm. at the beginning, or I don't know if it's Winston Churchill, but they have that voiceover from from like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they have a lot of thematically a lot of their songs uh, are related to that. Well, even number the beast. I love how it starts off, and and I'll crank that just that talking. Yeah. It is a human number. <laughs> the number is six hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, normally like stuff like that comes out like really campy and really cheesy, but for some reason they made it work really well on this mm-hmm. on that song for for whatever reason. And overly, I thought it was well produced. Yeah, like, yeah, there. Like it, I, it, yeah. It sounds like you could put it on today and it and it's like, oh, it sounds like it's recorded pretty recently, you know? Yeah. This this record has held up over time. It's just such mm-hmm. a like classic Iron Maiden record. Um but yeah. This is this is like on constant rotation for me. Uh if if I ever listened to Iron Maiden, this is definitely in there. All right, Eric. Uh final thoughts, rating, what do you what do you want to give this thing? I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Wow. Pretty good. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty much up there with you. I'm giving this. The only reason I'm not giving it a ten is because of Gangland. So I'm giving it a nine point five <laughs> out of ten. Honestly, like if it wasn't for Gangland, this thing is a perfect record. You can like, there's nothing wrong with this record other than that one song. So this is this is a clear nine point five for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, any any last thoughts before we move on from this thing? check it out like even if you like rock music and you're not a metal fan i feel like you would like this album yeah that's true Uh, yeah that's that's a good point because like uh, when we talk about metal music especially today i think the ver the conception is or perception is that people are screaming it's really freaking heavy yeah yeah like that's sort of like the stereotype of metal but this is this comes from like a an earlier time of metal it's new wave of british heavy metal it's got like really fast guitars it's not overly heavy by at least by today's standards and there's definitely no screaming this is bruce dickinson just like opera singing at the top of his Mm -hmm. lungs um so it's a very different brand of metal that i guess mainstream uh perception is uh it's a very good gateway gateway drug for for metal music if (laughs) if you've never like even bothered listening to metal Mm -hmm. and check out fear of the dark because that song is just yeah fear of the dark yeah released in the 90s not on this record but yeah that's a great song too all right sweet so that is uh the number of the beast by iron maiden for this week for those of you who are uh following along Oh, my light just went dead. Uh, For those of you who are following along with us uh, every week with our album reviews for next week, we are going to be listening to a very uh, big prog prog rock classic, uh, Moving Pictures by Rush. I'm so excited. The greatest Canadian trio ever. (laughs) (laughs) You had to put trio in there as a qualifier because I know your thoughts about... (laughs) Yeah, damn it. (laughs) I know your thoughts. You saw right through me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Moving Pictures by Rush will be the album we are reviewing. This is, I think most people would... It's hard to argue this not being Rush's best album. People have their favorites probably over this record, but general consensus this is probably their best record uh so super excited to to listen to this great 
Slap it a bass, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this whole thing up. So uh, we will go into the quote of the week presented by Anthony Kiedis. Here we go. Blackjack, dope dick, pawn shop, quick pick, kiss that dyke. I know you want to hold one, not one strike, but I'm about to bull one. Bite that mic. I, I know you never stole one. Those are That is the quote of the week presented by Anthony Kiedis. Eric, do you know what song this is? Oh, I knew, I know this song. I can't think of the name, though. Uh, Jack, dope, dick, pun, chop, quick pick. I can't do the Anthony Kiedis like his weird, um, nonsense rapping of just random words that don't make sense together. Uh, I can't, I can't replicate that. <laughs> uh, okay, g- g- give me a second here. G- give me a minute. Uh, this is like a pretty famous Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Like, but I'm about to blow one. Bite that mic. I know you never stole one. I know this song, (laughs) damn it. What is it? Pretty, like, pretty rocking slap bass. Uh, Jean Frusciante has, like, a really heavy guitar part on this. Um, And the chorus is, like, super melodic. It's a really big chorus. Is this the one that goes, How long, how long, let's so. No. Da, da, da. no. Oh man. No. <laughs> oh, it's by the way, it's there by the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! I'm mixing the songs together. <laughs> I was mixing that, and I think all around the world. Or wait, was I mixing? Anyways, yeah, I was mixing two songs together. But anyways, by the way, this song has like these lyrics are nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's yeah, because that's a blackjack. Dope dick. <laughs> right? He's just saying random words. I don't understand how he gets away with this. <laughs> I didn't even tell you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a a song like you're having with somebody with like a stroke. Like he's having a stroke, and he goes, "Oh, by the way," right? And then he goes into the chorus, right? <laughs> And then it's like, what, what were we talking about at the beginning of our conversation there? Oh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Anyways, um, here we go. Controversial statements uh, for this podcast. We had none. <laughs> Unless chat wants to point out all the times they were offended over the course of the last hour. Uh, we, we said nothing controversial. Uh, Absolutely nothing. This, this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the set, the stuff you said about Ringo dying, I guess <laughs> that was a yeah. hypothetical. Though we were just saying in the future we're going to be controversial by saying these things. <laughs> you never know; we could be better people by then. <laughs> That's true. That that probably won't happen, but maybe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Cool. That's that's basically our show. Uh, just to do some housekeeping. Um. We're here live at twitch.tv slash chasing dragonflies. Uh, this is the Crossroads Music Podcast. Uh, we are live every, depends on, on how we feel, but every Monday or Thursday uh, at 10 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. PST. Uh, we are currently on our Thursday schedule, so we are here every Thursday for now. Um, and you can listen to us on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, all the places that you uh, listen to your podcasts. Uh, also on this channel, uh, we have actually revamped the schedule for for Taylor's live music streams. She is now uh, streaming live here uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. EST, 5 p.m. Uh, PSD. So two days in a row, we're actually getting rid of the Sunday stream, but we're doing two days in a row now, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, so this channel actually has like a three-day stream schedule. So it's either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or it is Tuesday, nice. Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday. So uh, you can get us all in one shot rather than us being all over the place throughout the week. <laughs> a bit more concise. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. That's basically our show. Thanks, everyone, for, for mm-hmm. hanging out uh, in the live chat. Uh, and we will catch you all next Thursday. Bye. Bye. Thank you.